Tonight we're continuing our series in Plot Twist, and we're talking about what is the big deal about the cross? What's the big deal? And that, that might sound like a strange thing to say, maybe at church. People wear crosses around their neck. Uh, people wear t-shirts with crosses. There's crosses everywhere in our culture. But a lot of people don't really know what the cross stands for. A lot of people in the church, even though they've heard it again and again, they may know in some way, intellectually, in their mind, what the cross stands for. But they don't really feel it in their heart, what the cross stands for. Well, we know that has something to do with Jesus. We know that Jesus died on a cross, and maybe you've heard again and again, Jesus died for you, man, Jesus died for you. And people hear that and they think, oh, that's so cool, like Jesus died for me. What's the, what's the big deal? I didn't need somebody 2,000 years ago to die for me. How, how does that have anything to do with my life today? If you already know Jesus, if you have a relationship with Him, then sometimes, if you're like me, you forget how good the message of the cross really is. You forget about it. You take it for granted. That's what I do. And we need to be reminded of how good the gospel is, how good the cross is, and what it means. If you're not a believer, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you need to also know how good the cross really is and hopefully have the ears to hear and the eyes to see that for the very first time. But before we talk about what Jesus did on the cross, we need to talk about us. We need to talk about why Jesus came, the situation that we were in. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Now this is, if I was going to pick like the happiest half of a verse in the Bible, this probably wouldn't be that verse. The second half of this verse is very good. We're not going to get there yet. The wages of sin is death. A wage, that's a word that we don't really use very often, but a wage is something that you deserve. If you work and you've got like a summer job and you're putting in the hours, your boss owes you a wage. They owe you money. And you guys have this concept as well. Like we all feel like we owe one another respect. We all feel like we all owe one another love just as fellow human beings. We have wages that we owe one another. A wage is getting something that you deserve or you feel like you deserve. It's about an action, a choice, and a consequence. If you get maybe a, a bad grade on a test, maybe sometimes your parents could ground you for that. That's the wage that you earn. If you get a good grade, maybe your parents could give you some money or ice cream. That's the wage that you've earned for how you performed. Your choices always get a result. If you make a good choice, you'll get a good result. If you make a bad choice, generally you'll get a bad result. That's what a wage is. And the Bible says that we all made bad choices. Can we agree on that? How we all made, I've made, probably more bad choices than most of you guys because I'm older than you for one thing, but even by the time I was your age, I made a lot of bad choices. We make bad choices 
that are sin that are different than God's design and God's good plan for our life. And the Bible says the wages, what we earn, what we deserve for that sin, is death. Now you might be thinking, well, I've sinned, but I'm pretty sure that I'm still alive unless this is heaven. And if this is heaven, then take me back to wherever I came from because this sucks, right? <laughs> Sometimes. I lost my spot. I'm not <laughs> but we're not dead. So if the wages of sin is death, then why aren't we dead? Well, there's two kinds of death in the Bible. There is physical death. And we see physical death is a result of sin coming into the world. Adam and Eve were in the, the garden. They had this perfect relationship with God. They ate from this fruit that gave them like eternal life. And they were living it up. And then that sin cast them out of the garden. So then they physically began to die. But there's another kind of death that happened. And it's a spiritual death. What's spiritual death? That word death is a word that we use a lot in the church. And sometimes it's a word that maybe you've heard over and over. Death. Like, okay, separation from God. Like, that's our death. But death is more than just that separation from God. It's the implications. It's the results. It's the wages of everything that it means to be separated from God. Everything that is wrong in your life is a result of the death that sin has brought into this world. Everything that is wrong in your life. It could be broken relationships in your life. It could be your parents fighting late at night when you're trying to cover your ears with a pillow. It could be broken friendships. It's making bad choices that you regret and make you feel shame. It's people who hurt you. It's sickness and disease that happens to you that maybe happens to a loved one. It's depression. It's anxiety. It's suicidal thoughts. It's addiction. It's shame. It's fear. It's confusion. All of these things that we feel and experience in our world that we know just we may not know how to describe it, but something within us cries out, this is not the way it's supposed to be. That's death. And the reason why there's something within you that cries out, this is not the way it's supposed to be, the reason why you feel that way is because God created you for life. But we chose death. And every time we sin, we choose to remain in the realm, the domain of death. Our sin gives us the wage that we deserve. It racks up a debt. Can someone tell me what a debt is? D-E-B-T. Debt. Going into debt. Help me out, Audrey. Something you have to pay. That's very good. A debt is something that you are legally obligated to pay. Something that you owe. And what our sin does is it racks up these wages of death that we owe. The wages of sin is death. It's what we deserve. And it's a debt that's even owed to us, this death that happens, this, this, the negative results of sin in our life. But here's the good news. This is what is the big deal about the cross that we're talking about tonight. Jesus died to pay your debt. 
Jesus died to pay your debt. Jesus died to make up for everything that we just talked about that encompasses death. Somebody had to die physically, spiritually, to all the implications there of what death is in order for that price to be paid for you to have the life that you know you were meant to have deep down in your heart. Tonight we're looking at the death of Jesus. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 says this. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sakabthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Let's go to this scene. In fact, before this, let's go to an earlier scene. Imagine creation. Man, creation is incredible. All the stars, God breathed all of this out. God pushed up the mountains. God flattened out the valleys. He filled up the seas and he scattered the first seeds. God creates everything. It's this beautiful, wonderful creation and he creates his most prized possession, which guess what? Is you. It's you. He creates people in his own image to be like him but he gave him a free choice because god has free choice he gave him the choice of whether or not they really wanted to be like him and they chose to not be like him and they chose to sin and the moment they did that the death came into the world and time after time again god was pointing forward to something in his word through the prophets through the law, through all these different things, God was pointing forward to something that would make right what went wrong. Imagine Yahweh comes into our universe. Yahweh who created everything comes into our world. The Word became flesh. That's, that means God became flesh and dwelt among us. God became one of us. Why? Because somebody had to pay the price. And we couldn't represent ourselves. We were too messed up. There needed to be a perfect person to represent people to God. And God needed to represent Himself to people. So Jesus steps into the picture. 100% God. 100% human. He is the perfect intercessor. The perfect mediator. The perfect middleman to represent us to God. And He lived a perfect life. And here we see a scene where the God of the universe. The God who is all-powerful all-knowing, willingly submits himself to suffer and is hanging on a cross on a hill that he created. God remembers when he made that hill. God knows all the tectonic plates and things that had to shift for that hill to be formed and God knew that was the hill that he was going to die on for your sins. And the God of the universe is here hanging on a cross for you. That is a powerful scene. It's three in the afternoon, which normally we know is a sunny, warm time of the day, but it's pitch black outside. It's pitch black 
Because creation reflects its creator. And creation knows that this is a dark day in history. Creation knows there is something going on here. And it is reflected, the whole sky is black at three in the afternoon. The creator is suffering under the weight of the thick blanket of darkness that has covered our world. The darkness of death. The worst part of Jesus' suffering was not when he was whipped. Jesus was whipped with the cat of, of nine tails, and it, it was this whip where they had shards of glass and metal and things, and they just whip you again and again and again. That wasn't the worst part of Jesus' suffering. The worst part of Jesus' suffering isn't when they put the, the robe on him to mock him, and then his, his wounds would dry up, and they ripped it off, and the scabs opened again on those wounds from the whips. Or when they took the crown of thorns with thorns this long or perhaps longer, just shoved it over his head and the blood is dripping down his forehead. That wasn't the worst part of Jesus' suffering. It wasn't when he carried this heavy, heavy cross up to Calvary's hill and he was so exhausted that he fell down and someone had to help him. Or when they took him to Calvary's hill and he was laid down apart this cross and his shoulders dislocated and his hands were nailed into this cross and they put nails through his ankles to hold him there and they lifted him up and he's struggling to breathe and suffocating through this excruciating pain. That wasn't the worst part of Jesus' suffering. Not even close. This is the worst part. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus is suffering death. Jesus is suffering the separation from God as a result of sin. He's referencing Psalm chapter 22. It's about feeling separated from God, but it's also a psalm that if you read on in it, that hopes in God and His promises. Jesus is feeling the full weight, the full debt of all of our sin, which is separation from God. Literally, hell. Jesus... You think Jesus doesn't get you? Jesus gets you. Jesus suffered all of your depression. He suffered all of it. Jesus suffered all the tears that you shed. Jesus suffered all the broken relationships and brokenness that you've seen in this world. Jesus suffered under the death that brought all the sickness and disease that we see, everything that's wrong in our world. Jesus suffered that for you. Jesus suffered all of your insecurities. Jesus suffered all of your feelings of being unloved and not enough. Jesus suffered under the weight of the debt that you owe because you sinned. He suffered an eternity of hell on the cross for you. Matthew 27 50 through 51. This is talking about when Jesus dies. Then Jesus shouted again and He released His Spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split apart. Jesus dies and then we see, and I'm going to go back there. I'm not just going to skip over that. We're going to come back to that at the end. 
Okay, but Jesus dies, and then we see a scene taking place miles away. Why is it talking about some curtain in a temple being torn? What's, what's the deal with that? In the temple. The temple was where the people would go to make their sacrifices, to please God, to be in the presence of God. And all those sacrifices are really pointing forward to this sacrifice that Jesus was making. That's what Hebrews tells us. But they would go there to make these sacrifices. And the high priest, the top dog, the one who a few weeks ago we know rejects Jesus. But the high priest would go in past this curtain into the Holy of Holies. And this curtain was 60 feet high and about 4 inches thick. And he would go into the presence of God and offer the sacrifice there for the people. And the presence of God was so holy, the priest had to do all these things before he could go into there. And they would put a rope around the leg of the priest because if he didn't do what he was supposed to do when he entered into the presence of God, a lot of people would die in there. And they put a rope around them so they could drag them back out. This is a true story. That's how holy our God is. This veil, this thick veil represented the separation brought by death. This thick veil represents the death that you feel in your own life. Maybe it's the death that you suffer under every single day. I don't know what that is for you. But this veil was that. It separated people from the presence of God. But when Jesus died, the veil tore from the 60 foot top to the very bottom. What does that mean? That means that everything that separates you from God doesn't have to anymore because of Jesus' death. The death that separates you from a loving relationship with your Father, God, can no longer separate you from Him because Jesus died in your place. Jesus gives us access to God. He is our great high priest. If you want forgiveness, don't go to a pastor. Don't go to another human priest. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He is the great high priest. He is your intercessor. He is the middleman between you and God. He is the one who came to save you. He is God in the flesh who came down and tore the veil for you. If you want freedom, if you want to know God, go to Jesus. But sometimes, Christians, talking to you right now, sometimes we think like, believe like, feel like, live like the veil was never torn. The veil was torn at the temple. Sometimes we put up a veil in our heart between us and God. Thinking this thing, this is too, too thick. It's too high for me to enter into the presence of the Father. But Jesus died to tear down every single veil in your heart that would separate you from the presence of God. That's what Jesus died for. You are saved only on His merits, what He did for you. All you have to do is believe in Him. 
Is there a veil in your heart that keeps you from believing the good news? You know, sometimes it's just so hard to believe. Like, really believe. The gospel is so good. But so sometimes, even though this thing is so good, it's so hard for us to really believe it. Because we're constantly fed the lie that God doesn't love us that much. We tell that to ourselves. Tonight, would you dare to believe that God loves you infinitely more than you could even fathom? Would you dare to believe that God loves you more than anyone could ever love you? That he would go so far to send his only son to pay your debt? Would you dare to believe that God is the one who tears down every curtain in your heart in order to give you unlimited, unlimited, everybody say unlimited, unlimited, access to his presence that's what god wants for you you want proof this is god's word this is what he wrote for you to know this god became a man god came down to give you unlimited access to his presence so you're going to believe the lie that you can't do that are you going to trust the god who loves you would you dare to believe how much god loves you tonight in verse 50 It said, Jesus shouted again and released his spirit. This is when Jesus died. Now, John in his gospel gives us another point of view of what happened right before Jesus released his spirit when he died. What did Jesus shout? This is what it says in the gospel of John. He said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What is finished? What is finished? You're going to love this. This is good. Mr. Terry's going to help me out real quick. And as he does that, I want to show you guys this verse in the book of Colossians. This is talking about what Christ did for us, what it really means. Thank you, Mr. Terry. Let's give it up for Terry and the sound. I mean... Mr. Terry does so much for us. I mean, he's awesome. So, in the book of Colossians, Paul's talking to this church, and he's saying what happens to us when we're saved. We were dead, remember, in death. God makes us alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. How does he do it? Jesus paid our what? Jesus paid our debt. Forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of what? Debt that stood against us with his legal demands. What does this mean? We couldn't keep the law of God. We all sinned. We all fell short. We couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. We all lied. We all lusted. We all hurt other people. We all participated in this thing called sin and death. But he canceled the record of debt that was against us, setting it aside How did he set it aside? Nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. Whenever they crucified someone, back in these Roman times, they would 
lay them down, nail their hands, nail their feet to this cross, but they nailed something else to the cross. At the top of Jesus' cross, they nailed a piece of paper that said, King of the Jews. And what that meant was that Jesus was being killed from the human perspective. He was being charged with death for being the King of the Jews. They would put on the top of anyone's cross what they were charged with. And that was their debt. If you were being crucified for being a thief, they would nail your hands and your feet into the cross, and above your head they would put thief. They would nail that to the cross. If you were crucified for being a liar or, or, or doing something to deceive a ton of people, you have to be a really bad liar to be crucified, but in that time, if you were crucified for anything, they would write it on a piece of paper, they would nail it above your head, and then that record of debt that was above your head, when you die, that debt is considered to be canceled by your death. You pay your debt with your death. This is what Paul is saying. When Jesus died, above his head was your debt. He said, he set this aside, nailing it to the cross. The record of debt that stood against us. That's the word that they would use to describe what they would nail to the cross above a prisoner's head. Paul is saying, the Bible is saying, God's word is saying to you tonight that your debt was what was nailed to the cross that day. He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin. He was nailed to the cross in your place. He took on your debt. In his last words that it says there in the Gospel of John, he says, it is finished. In the Greek, that's the word to telestai. And it's a tense that we don't have in English. It's a tense where it says past, present, and future. That means it is finished in the past. I finished everything that I was meant to finish in the past. I'm finishing in the present, and I am finishing in the future. Your sins are forgiven. Your past sins are forgiven. Your present sins are forgiven. And your future sins are forgiven. You know what's another way you could translate to tell us that? You know what's another way that they used it commonly? When someone had a debt and their debt was paid for, they said to tell us Paid in full. When Jesus died on the cross, this is what he said about your debt. This is what he said about your death and your life. Paid in full. He says, I paid it all for you. Do you have debt that you want to give to God? Do you have sins in your life, things that you regret? Christian, not a Christian. You can come to Christ. He pays your debt. He pays your debt. He loves you so much. It was nailed to the cross for you. So stop, stop holding on to it. Jesus paid it all. Tonight I want to invite you to just release your debt to Christ. All of it. 
Let the curtains be torn down in your heart that would separate you from your loving Father who just wants to be with you and wants to know you. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? And I feel like all of us have debt in our lives that we just want to give to Jesus. And so can we all just pray this together out loud? Can we just pray right now? Just pray after me. Pray, Jesus, I give my debt to You. I believe You died to pay it all. Thank You for Your sacrifice. I trust in You.